0: We've had a busy morning. Some would say we've had a busy week. They would all be right. But it's been a long time since I've had the pulpit for a full sermon. (laughs) Looks like it's going to be a little bit longer. (laughs) Even when you are left out. That's right. And even though you're different. And even when you don't understand, even though you do wrong, even when you're afraid, that's what we taught the children all week long. You say, well, they've been taught this over and over again at the church all their long lives. We've been here. We know. We've been teaching that. Yes, you have. But really, the reason they consented to come to VBS and do it all again is they were afraid some of you might have forgotten it. Not much of a laugh on that one, huh? (laughs) Hit it a little too close to home. For 35 years now, I've been talking about God's love in one way or another, and you would think that people would get tired of hearing it or just not need it any longer, but I can stand here this morning and tell you for sure, even though I'm standing in front of a congregation of mature believers in many ways, we never learn all there is to learn about God's love. And in fact, sometimes we become so convinced and so convicted of the well-worn paths we've been living in life with the assumption that we know what love is and we have love and that we're giving love, that we think God is through perfecting love in us. Nothing can be farther from the truth in terms of Wesleyan theology. ...or in terms of any other denomination's expression of good theology. We are never finished on this earth. We are only finished, a finished product... ...when we leave from here and are glorified in heaven. That is the theology of our Wesleyan fathers and mothers. That is the theology of many who call themselves Protestants. Yes, we believe in a perfect kind of love... ...given certain kind of boundaries and limitations... But even in the midst of Christian perfections, God does not stop his work of perfecting us inside. Now, I thought about this sermon and how it could be really a short one because you've heard so many sermons about love and you've already heard the children sing about it, testify to it, witness it. We've done all this, we've sung songs about it, we've done everything that we need to do about love to remind us that love is essential. And so I thought I could have a five minute sermon. Then I thought a little longer. And I didn't want to disappoint any of you who just loved to hear me preach, all three of you. (laughs) But I decided that I would go ahead and just to be sure, once again. Now, there are probably at least 25 good sermons in this passage of Scripture. You'll be happy to know I'm not going to preach them all today. 30 years ago, I probably would have tried, but not anymore. Don't our children know that Jesus loves them when they're left out and different and they don't understand and they do something wrong and when they're afraid, I would say, yes, I think they probably do. But do they remember it in the midst of those instances? And more pointedly this morning, now that VBS is over, do you? Do you really celebrate and live out the commitment of love that you profess? Now, we would like to believe that all Christians do that. In some way, I think most Christians are trying on any given day or any given hour. But the problem is we are not perfect, not perfect in every action or in every deed. And the other problem is sometimes we're not even making much effort. Now, I would be speaking at that point about other churches and other denominations, not us, not United Methodists, of course. You know, we'd be the holy and the perfect ones. But the reality is when you go and talk to the people who are not churched, their biggest complaint about church to people is that we aren't very loving and that we are too judgmental. Now, when we hear that, we're quick to say, well, they're just wrong. Really. <laughs> <laughs> My kids occasionally, when I was uh, reading the riot act to them, tried to tell me I was wrong, too. And, you know, I never believed them. Well, Most of the time, I didn't believe them. But the reality is, when somebody criticizes us as a group of Jesus followers we tend to think, well, they just don't understand or they just don't want to be obedient or they just don't get it, what it means to follow Jesus. And I wish that were true. But I don't believe it's true. That's why I decided to go ahead and preach this sermon. It's a quiet sermon, really. It's not a loud sermon. So if you're looking for a repetition of what Ron did for us a couple of weeks ago, it's not gonna happen today. This is not a cheerleading kind of sermon. This is rather a looking inside yourself kind of sermon. Now, just so it can be helpful, Sally, my dear wife, this is a sermon about you looking inside of you, not inside of Doug. Let me encourage everyone else to do the same thing. Where's my wife? There she is right there, close enough to throw something, right? Yeah. I'll walk this way farther. But love... Is not really love until it's received from God. It is not sexual love. It's not ego satisfying love. Love of God and the love God seeks to put inside us is not the kind of love that wants to do something and then get something in return, or rather, the most practiced love we know of in our nation. It is the most common expression of love, oftentimes, by our children. You know, when they do something out of the ordinary and come in and say, Don't you love me, Mommy or Daddy? Because I just did cleaned up my room. I just did this. I just did that. And we say, Yeah, we did. And, you know, and then they look at it and say, Now can I have? <laughs> of course, we, being adults, would never do anything like that, right? Yeah. You're afraid I'm going to preach about this again next week, aren't you? And actually, I may preach about some more of this passage next week. God and I are still talking about that. The reality being that the kind of love that people often think about and that they often practice is a kind of love that many people who are not calling themselves Christians also do. Most people, if they're not mentally ill or emotionally ill, love their children, their grandchildren, most of their family. Everybody's got an unlovable or one, too, Right? I know, names just came to your face, and that's part of the sermon. It came to your little mind, and you thought, yeah, accept, cousin, accept. And then you get to that last verse or two, and Cindy just read, and you remember, if you hate your brother and say you love God, you are a... Hmm, woo. You know, one day along the road of life, that suddenly came to me that that was an exclusive kind of sentence. There was no room for bargaining there. And I can carry a pretty high level of passion about some people I don't like. You know, I can. I can do a pretty good job of it. I'd grown up that way, and i had come to think that it was probably all right. It was startling to me to begin to realize that it wasn't all right, that I couldn't even hate criminals. I couldn't even hate someone hanging on a cross beside me. I couldn't even hate the person who hated me, not in call myself a child of God. as i long about there that I changed my position on capital punishment. I know some of you still believe in capital punishment, and that's because you're still a work in progress, as I was for a long time. And you might say, no, that's not the only reason, Doug. I believe it for very sound biblical reasons. Okay, Whatever. Have you ever been told that you were loved by somebody and there was not a thing in their face or in their voice or in their actions that told you they loved you? Did you believe them? Have you ever been told you were loved by someone that wanted something for you, needed something for you, that were loving you because of what you did for them? By the way, hit the pause button on the sermon, would you, for a moment? Teenagers particularly of the female gender. I'm going to walk over here in the dark. One of the things I told my girls as they were growing up is whenever a boy's lips are moving and they're about 16 and they say, I love you, they do not mean what you think they mean. Are you listening? Boys? Are you listening? Okay, back to the sermon. (laughs) Sometimes people pretend they love you because they want something from you. And when they want something from you, they'll say almost anything to get it. Now granted, when I want to express my love expecting nothing, I'll do some outlandish things. I fell into that trap yesterday. It had been a whole week since I'd seen my grandkids. You know, after you spend eight or nine days with them, and all of a sudden you don't see them for a whole week, week, the first day or two, you're kind of going, "Uh, yeah, we're back to normal life now, you know? No more four-year-old dragging me around the house. But after that time, then you kind of start, well, where are they? I I need to see them. I need to see them again. I got that way yesterday driving home. From another meeting, we so love meetings in the Methodist church, beware, Methodists. And on my way home from that meeting, I remembered I hadn't seen my grandchildren all week long. So I just picked up the phone and called them and said, where are you? They said, we're at your house. I said, oh, really? Yes, Chad's out of town. He's uh, attending a, a Kairos event, a training event for a weekend in prison ministry. And I said, oh, you're going to be there for a while? Yep. I said, good, don't leave because I'm on my way. I want to see the kids. I got home, and there they were. They were all in our bedroom. Should I tell the whole story of why not? No, skip it. Okay. I won't tell you that Sally was trying on clothes in her closet. And clothes that had been given to her because she's so much smaller now that she has a no-wheat belly diet. And she's getting so small that she has to tell me almost every other day about what other new clothes she can wear. And so her daughter was there to tell her which dresses now look good and which should be given away. But what I was interested in was this little package with a little bow on her head, an eight month old sitting up in the bed who has a direct relationship of love with her papa, directly according to how much time I'm around her. She loves her mama every moment, and when her mama walks out of sight, she's not happy. And out that week, and you, I could pick her up like anybody else by the end of the week, and unless she was really cranky, I, I was good. But now I knew it had been a while, so I went in there, and she was lying on the bed, and I thought, okay, I'm going to lie down right here, and I'm just going to look at you. And that's what I did, except for the four-year-old who hadn't seen me either. And he was crawling all over me and all over his sister and his mama and doing all kinds of things to involve me in his activity while I was still looking at her. And making eye contact and silly noises and touching her little nose until I picked her up. And at first it was like, where's mama? But then she didn't start screaming and we reconnected. You see, a young child is not for sure how much you love her until you're with them. And you're holding them. And you're touching them. And you're providing fun for them. It got so drastic that evening after I would walled away the afternoon and evening that uh, my grandson brought me his bat cave. I'm about as fixer-upper as, well, I'm just not one. I don't like it. I don't touch my cars. Mechanics do that. I can do house repairs, but I don't have time anymore or the desire to crawl around under those things to do them. He wanted his bat cave fixed, and his daddy hadn't fixed it. So he set it down in front of me. Papa, can you fix it? I said, well, we'll see. I don't want to do this. I need to go home. Two hours later, we had taken the thing apart, and even with four degrees between us, we couldn't fix the stupid little toy. (laughs) And we still don't know why. So I'm going to have to go home and look it up online and figure out what makes it work so the elevator goes up and down with Batman in it. And along the way, while we were playing on the bed, I mentioned to him, he was showing me pictures of snakes and playing with the snake and his mama. I said, would you like to have a snake for a pet? (laughs) Hmm. That was really a bad idea, his mama said. No pets in the house. But Papa said, Papa can have a snake in his house. And then Sassy said, no, he can't. And then Chad came home and said, Would you like to have a snake for a pet? And Mama said again, No, he can't. And son-in-law and Papa look at each other and go, What do we do? We'll get him a lizard. (laughs) A large one. After all, it is in the nature of people to give good things to the people they love right now it's true we give too much sometimes sometimes we give things that are harmful to people and that's not loving right we understand that and we don't all have the same barometer to check when is enough is enough typically with grandchildren as the stories go most grandparents don't have good sense I can now witness to that's true Sally gives way too much to the kids There's still a toy or two that Miller needs for his Ninja Turtle collection. And he got that promise extracted from me, too, before I left the house. Yes, our children know what love is. But people, young and old, get confused about what biblical love is. Even in a universal situation where people are hungering and thirsting for the experience of being loved, Even though there are millions and millions of Christians around the world, there never seems to be enough. And we oftentimes do not act out what we say we are. I'm going to end this sermon on the one main point, even though it's against my better judgment. That word agape, that word that an old, old Greek word was rarely used until the Christians started using it to express the kind of love that was a self-giving love, was the word that John was writing about in the letters to John as well as in the Gospel of John, so much more than others. You see, it was his central understanding of God. He said it several times in the passage you heard today. He just said it quite straightforwardly. God is not loving, although he does do loving things. God is not just giving, although he does do giving things. But God is love. So, therefore, everything that God does, judgment is loving. Mercy is loving. Trials are loving. Everything that comes from God is loving because God is love. Now, the catch to this is in this passage of Scripture is this, that when we know that we have received God's love through his son, Jesus Christ, and we have faith in him and entered into a relationship with God, then what this text says is then we too become like God and that we are also loving. Now, we are not perfected as God is, but that is the process of a lifetime, but we are too supposed to become love not just do loving things when it's convenient or easy, but rather to have a total orientation of God's good for every human being we know about, see about, or think about. That is why, even though the government won't give us a tax deduction for our gift to Pakistan, we are still sending thousands of dollars over there to care for 40 Christian children who have been orphaned by a terrible bomb that was set off as they were leaving church a small Christian community in the midst of a a Muslim world. Without us, they have no home. They have no food. And Jesus has also been teaching them, if you're afraid because you don't have parents, Jesus loves you. If something bad has happened in your life, Jesus loves you. If you've done something wrong or someone else has done something wrong to you, Jesus loves you. Even if you don't think you're worth it because you can't understand what's going on in your young little lives, Jesus loves you. And what I really want to do is feed them all year long. That would take another $4,800 because they need another year just to get themselves on the ground to take care of that building that they're going to turn into an orphanage that once was a school, to take care of the two families that are going to set aside their lives and live with those children as their parents and guardians and protect them and school them. But I just don't know how much you love those 40 kids in Pakistan. After all, there's millions like them in other countries that need love too. Some of you are already helping others. I get that. I get that. I know that Dan is leaving to go to Manila for yet another mission trip of the many places where he helps in the organization he's a part of. I know that the Jacksons are about to leave, first one, then the other, to go back to India. We're gonna pray, I'm going to pray for them in a few moments. I'm going to ask them to come forward as we're singing our final hymn. But this I do know that God's love is boundless because God is simply is love. God is the source of all the love in us that is unselfish and giving. God is not just the action or something we do at times, but rather he is who we become when we become tied together in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So every time that I begin to feel unloving and Lord has to help me sometimes I have that thought. I remember whatever I'm doing must be an expression of love, period, if I'm going to call myself a Jesus follower. I do not believe that the world can withstand that kind of pressure of true godlike love and reject God. When the people of the churches of Jesus Christ put away their selfish lives and pick up a life of others that Jesus has been calling them to, I do not believe that people can reject us for long. But as long as we struggle and act like immature Christians, as long as we have to think about whether or not we can love somebody, then, you know, you have to wonder. Sometimes you walk around the light, we're so loving, we're so good, and then sometimes in our lives, we walk around in the darkness. Not really thinking about anybody but ourselves. Where are you walking today, lately? Oh, I'm not talking about generally, I know you're good folks. How much time did you pray? for VBS how much time have you prayed to find those people that you can invite to this fellowship how many people have you asked why don't you come to church with me does it make any difference when we reach out there's hardly an empty seat in the house this morning because we've been reaching out all week touching the lives of young children we had more volunteers than we needed Let's see, I started ministry in 1978, wasn't it? I have never been a part of a church where they had so many volunteers, they said, you can teach one night, we got somebody else to teach another night. And they never asked a preacher to recruit from the pulpit. Until now, I must be getting close to heaven. The only thing left, let's see, I've said someday I was going to belong to a church that I was going to pastor where everybody was tithing or at least trying real hard to. Let me know when that's true, okay? I know a lot of you already are. And I know some of you are praying about it. And I know some of you are going to pray about it. We have a calling. We have a calling to be the love of Christ. Not ourselves, but the love of God that Christ poured into us, that is then reflected and poured back out for the presence of the Holy Spirit who lives in us to love others. That will conquer mountains. If you're here today and... You don't know that kind of love. You've never felt that kind of love from Jesus. Then you really haven't met Jesus, because Jesus stands ready, constantly, to pour out that love to you. Pour it out into you now, even if you don't know it. So if you're here today and you don't know that love, we want you just to come right down and let us pray with you and talk to you about it. If you're here today and you do know Christ, but you've been kind of trying to live on the edges of the communities of faith, not really too involved. You don't know about those churches. There's a lot of bad rumors out there about churches then I just invite you to try this one. Don't judge this one by everyone else. Don't judge any church by another church. Judge a group of people. Make a discernment about a group of people by being a part of them. And we would love to have you be a part of us. If you're interested, come forward and let me meet you as we stand and sing this closing song.